What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now we turn to the Kentucky Standard for News in Bardstown in Nelson County. Your reader today is Brian Hunt. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. We will begin with the edition dated June 28th. Second Juneteenth celebration highlights black community. The second annual Juneteenth celebration this year at St. Monica Catholic Church saw success in year two amidst a humidity heat wave. The four-hour event brought in black-owned businesses from across the community while showcasing local talent and history. Following the success of last year's event, the Juneteenth Committee decided to bring the event back to celebrate an important moment in black history. Earlier this month, on June 19th, the national holiday, considered a second Independence Day for blacks receiving notice on Galveston Island of their freedom from the bonds of slavery in 1865, was celebrated across the country. This year's event had a host of vendors, local nonprofits, speakers, and presentations to bring together one another from across the community. The celebration also featured the evolution of black hair, highlighting styles from across generations. Committee member Jeff Stone began Saturday's event by reminding those in attendance of the importance of Juneteenth and what it means to the black community. Throughout the afternoon, each speaker continued to highlight the necessity of learning black history and celebrating it not only on Juneteenth, but every day of the year. A vital part of Saturday's celebration was highlighting youth voices in the community to talk about their experiences. Caden Stone, a Bardstown High School student, presented a selection of three-word spoken poems which he intertwined during his performance. Stone gave some background on his performance, stating they were about a young black boy being killed by police officers. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say or do at this point will not really matter because your skin color is already confessed to the crime, Stone said in his opening. You have the right to an attorney who will try his hardest to see that justice is served and will ultimately be outmatched by a jury of your peers. If you can't afford an attorney, one will be giving you, giving to you free of charge because he is also on our payroll. Another BHS student, Colin Johnson, spoke about his experience of being mixed race and being proud to claim his black heritage. Johnson's speech highlighted how others have fixated on skin tone, 
but he remains focused on embracing all parts of black history and parts of himself. In addition to hearing two powerful youth voices, Dr. Gerald Smith and Austin Bernard Wingate spoke to the ever-growing crowd of attendees during the hot June afternoon event. Smith is the author of Slavery and Freedom in the Bluegrass, and during Saturday's event, he spoke about his time learning about the truth behind my old Kentucky home. The author rarely makes public speech appearances, but said it was important for him to visit Bardstown. Wingate also made his first in-person speech since 2020, using his time to highlight the importance of remembering and fighting for what is right. Don't let the fact that this just became a federal holiday, Wingate said, uncloud the mind and unlock the key and those proverbial chains. Understand what this day truly means. Understand what this history means for us, for this nation, because if you take away black history from America, you take away a part of America. The body of America is a portion is a portion of it is black history. If you wouldn't want a doctor cut off your perfectly good leg, why would you want the educational system to take away black history? Next. A century of coming home. For the last 100 years, my old Kentucky home state park and the Bardstown Nelson County Chamber of Commerce have been pillars of the community. This Saturday, July 1st, they will be celebrating homecoming, a dedication to the past 10 decades of making their mark on Nelson County. In 1923, the first Bardstown Nelson County Chamber of Commerce event was the dedication of my old Kentucky home. My old Kentucky home director, Jeremy Riggs, said he, along with Chamber Executive Director Lisa Thomas, thought it was fitting to celebrate their centennial together. Thomas shared that through research for the event, they discovered news articles in the Kentucky Standard called Homecoming. She said the event lasted a week, and in addition to the opening of my old Kentucky home, included parades and baseball games. I wanted to celebrate being open to the public for 100 years, Riggs said of the event. Being open to the public for 100 years was special to me, and of course to Lisa Thomas as well. With the chamber being in the community for that long, it just kind of felt natural for us to focus on something around the 4th of July holiday. Of course, that is also Stephen Foster's birthday, so it just kind of all came together. Saturday's homecoming is free to the public with the event beginning at 5 p.m. The afternoon celebration promises food trucks, games, and even room to play for the kids. Members of the community are encouraged to bring their blankets and beach towels to enjoy their time in the park and possibly snag the best spot for fireworks later in the night. 
At the start of Saturday's event, my old Kentucky home will also be formally accepting a new portrait of one of the original inhabitants of the home, Judge John Rowan. The event guests are also encouraged to take a mini tour of the home through the event and even purchase tickets to stay for the Stephen Foster story with the promise of late-night fireworks. Saturday night's fireworks begin at 10 p.m. Guests who purchase tickets to the drama will receive exclusive parking, a wristband for the kids' zone, and entry to climate-controlled bathrooms. Local artists Zach Mosgrove and Rob Unseld will be providing music for the event on the Swope family of dealerships live stage. Guests also have an array of options to choose from as their drink of choice for the night, from the cocktails of Heaven Hill Distillery to the atmospheric beer garden, which promises a selection of bottle and draft beers. Wilson and Muir Bank and Trust Company have sponsored the Kid Zone for homecoming, giving the youth of the community an escape from the mundane. Admission to the zone is $10 per child or $25 for up to five children. From photo ops with miniature ponies to five fun inflatables, there's plenty to enjoy with this kid's zone. Riggs said homecoming is about more than celebrating themselves. It's about bringing the community together. I think I get the most satisfaction by just seeing the community come in and utilize the park, Riggs said. I've been the park manager here now for five years, and one of the things I said when I took over was that I wanted people to know that the park was open. I think I'm going to be most excited just to see people walking around the park, bringing their families, going out on a blanket, watching the fireworks, grabbing food from a food truck, or playing in the inflatables, just truly having a family event. Thomas said she hopes the community is able to come and join them for the Saturday evening full of fun and celebrate what they've accomplished together for the last 100 years. The mission of the Bardstown-Nelson County Chamber of Commerce is to make a positive impact on our community by connecting members to build strong businesses to which residents, visitors, and investors are attracted, thus strengthening our local economy, she said. We are thankful for our over 500 member businesses that make up this community and look forward to another 100 years. Next. Nelson County Administration Principles Take on Facilities. On Thursday, the Nelson County Board of Education held a special calls meeting to gain feedback from principals and administrators on the current options for middle school facilities. The June 22nd meeting follows a discussion from earlier this month when board members asked for structured time to hear from district staff about ongoing facility planning. Throughout the nearly two-hour discussion, one thing was clear, middle school students' needs have to come first. Board members ask about the pros and cons of all three proposed plans for Nelson County Middle Schools 
This included factors such as equity and access, distance, population density, financial impact, CTE, education. Although no decision was made by the board at this meeting of minds, board chair Diane Berry said she was grateful for the meeting and all the insights she gained. We've got all these little communities that deserve the best we can give them, and that's where we are, Barry said. I want to make sure that that's what we're doing. I want to be, do the best that we can for the money we have. Among the three proposed plans for middle school students, option two, a new Westside Middle School at Thomas Nelson Campus in my old Kentucky home middle school, received the most positive reception from administration. A few of the pros for this plan was the ease of access to the Thomas Nelson High School and Nelson County High School and the Area Technology Center programs. Chief Financial Officer Jessica Rogers added one neutral point about the detached middle school would be the district would still have the same number of buildings. Jeff Marchese, Director of Transportation, also mentioned that there are not any negatives that he sees with this option in terms of transportation. He said of the discussions of the Western Connector Bypass in the next few years, this would also reduce travel times for Boston and New Haven students. There's no need for activity buses, he said. We'd be using our same bus routes and our same transfer buses. Option two also seemed to be the most long-term solution to many of the administrators um, during the discussion Thursday. New Haven principal Tiffany Clark said she wants a long-term solution and if the board can make it happen, then New Haven School can push through its challenges until that solution can begin. If it had to be Thomas Nelson Middle School was built first and then the Nelson County High School got whatever its plan first, then we were able to get a new building as long as those plans were fleshed out. Then yes, I think most of our families are going to want the benefit for kids versus just a new building, Clark said. With option one, two Westside Middle Schools, OKH and Bloomfield Middle, and option three, an 8 through 12 at Thomas Nelson High School and Nelson County High School, and six and seven at OKHMS, brought discussions of school capacity and creating a community. OKHMS principal Mandy Puyer spoke about capacity at the middle school along with Director of Student Performance, Alex Martin, who together said the school could comfortably fit only 650 students. That's kind of the number that we looked at that I feel like would make sense, Martin said. At the same time, we didn't necessarily study like what does that look like in the hallway. It'd be very difficult to predict 650 kids transitioning in that building. Then what does it look like in the cafeteria or in the gym? Other concerns levied with that option was the increased transportation strain from families from the west side of the county 
lack of access for Bloomfield Middle students, and overcrowding because of school of choice. The ATC director, Kelsey Berryman, spoke about the current limitations of providing access to CTE programs at Bloomfield Middle. Distance and travel times would continue to be a barrier for those students. For option three, Nelson County High School principal Jessica Sikulski said the first thought with eighth graders in the high school was maturity level. She said they spoke about social interactions between students and learning what would be best for the eighth graders. Clark mentioned option three limits students' ability to make connections with teacher, staff, and administrators because of shifting buildings every few years. She also stated this would be difficult conditions to create a school community within just the two short years. However, between the three options, many of the board members agreed this was a good step forward to deciding the future of middle school students. While many options are in the forefront of discussion currently, it seems the future of the middle school students is a top priority. Our building has some issues. It needs renovated and we need a new building, Sikulski said. But my teachers are resilient. My kids are resilient. We have an amazing cleaning crew. Conversations tonight around middle school students that has come like as leader of Nelson County High School. I want these middle school students to be taken care of before a physical building is taken care of. It would be selfish for me to sit here and say, fix Nelson County High School. We've had to, we had to have that because it's just not right. We've got to put people first, kids first. The Nelson County Board of Education's next regularly scheduled meeting is set for July 18th at the early Learning Center at 5.30 p.m. Next. Deal struck to end moratorium on distillery permits. Nelson County's long-standing relations with the distilleries helped create the area's preeminence in the whiskey-making industry, but those relations turned frosty this past winter when the Kentucky General Assembly repeals the attacks on stored aging spirits. So frosty that local governments acted fast after the passage of House Bill 5, which repealed the so-called bourbon barrel tax, enacting a local moratorium on new permits on distilling operations. But after government officials and distillery representatives sat down and hammered out an agreement to change local ordinances regulating the bourbon industry, a compromise was reached that should heal some of those lingering hard feelings. We've had several dis disagreements with the bourbon industry since January and the legislative fight over House Bill 5, said Nelson County Judge Executive Tim Hutchins. I think we worked out an agreement that's good for all sides. While the loss of that steady stream of tax revenue coming into Nelson County 
and other bourbon-producing counties will hurt local tax coffers in the long term since that barrel tax money is instrumental in funding schools and emergency services. Among other entities, the phasing out of the tax over a period of 20 years will soften some of that blow. Still, however, in the wake of HB 5's passing, local government officials felt that ordinances put in place in Nelson County over the past decade to encourage growth in the distilling industry had gone too far in some cases, making it a little bit too easy for whiskey makers to obtain property for barrel preserves full of rick houses and there wasn't much in the way of oversight allowing the general public to weigh in on where those facilities could be located and how large a plot of land they were restricted to. Hudgens said this created a concern by the incoming fiscal court following last November's election that the rights of property owners weren't given much of a say in terms of how those rickhouses and facilities impact their properties and property values. In 2015, when the explosive growth of the industry reached a point where rickhouses were springing up everywhere just so distillers could keep up with consumer demand, there was little standing in the way government-wise to slow the distilling industry's land usage. There was a lot of demand for the warehouses, Hutchins said, Following a special public hearing of the Joint City-County Planning Commission last Wednesday and a special called Nelson County Fiscal Court meeting Friday, the mechanisms are in place to help Bardstown, Nelson County, and its distilling businesses work together going forward. Key changes to the ordinances include a 400-foot buffer between distillery buildings and existing residential property lines. Requirements for keeping up the distillery buildings. View shed from the roadside, including landscaping, trees, and other amenities. Requiring a mandatory pre-application conference with the Planning and Zoning Commission for any new planned unity development applications requiring pre-conference meetings between distilleries and their neighbors in the affected areas and a public hearing before any zoning change takes effect. Limiting distilled spirit storage buildings to tracts of 100 acres or larger to locate on land zoned agricultural. Changes build out times of approved PUDs from three to ten years to accommodate for expansion. Hutchins said he was happy that he and the county magistrates, Bardstown Mayor Dick Heaton and the city council members and representatives from distilleries such as Jim Bean, Heaven Hill, and Log Still could get together in the spirit of compromise on this issue. The industry is very pleased with the outcome which will allow for continued short and long-term growth for our vibrant business, Heaven Hill Executive Chairman Max Shapira said in a statement. This benefits the interests of Nelson County and Bardstown where our employees live, work, and thrive. 
We thank the judge executive and mayor for working with us to achieve this positive solution. Hutchins credited the quick work of the Planning and Zoning Commission's office and Director Janet Johnston Crow on changing around the ordinances. That work will help to end the current moratorium much faster than the initial 60 days. We sped it up, Hutchins said. The county is expected to pass the second reading of the ordinance changes at its July 10th meeting and city leaders in Bardstown and other municipalities in the county are expected to follow suit. Next. In community notes, Feeding America Food Distribution will be at 10 a.m. Wednesday, June 28th at the Nelson County Fairgrounds for anyone low income and in need. Bring proof of residence, number in your household, and identification. Clark County's Office Holiday Closing. The Nelson County Clerk's Office will be closed on Tuesday, July 4th in observance of the July 4th Independence Holiday. It will reopen for regular business on Wednesday at 8 a.m. The next meeting of the National Active and Retired Federal Employees will be July 10th. The topic will be Scams on Seniors. LaDonna Coble from the Kentucky General's Office will be the guest speaker. Meeting starts at 11 a.m. in the Central Kentucky Community Hall, 200 Jim Owens Drive in Elizabethtown. All active and retired federal employees are invited to attend. For more information, call Sharon Crady at 270-832-8857. The Knights of Columbus Bardstown Council 1290 will have a barbecue pork tenderloin sandwich fundraiser on Wednesday, July 19th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Bardstown Event Center, Knights of Columbus Hall, 111 North 4th Street in Bardstown. All proceeds will benefit the construction of the new Bardstown Nelson County Veterans Park which will be located near the Bardstown Justice Center. Pork tenderloin sandwiches will be available for $5 each. Add chips or water for $1 each or order the combo for a total of $7. Free delivery for 20 or more sandwiches. Dine-in and take-out options are available. Advance orders can be placed by phoning or texting 978 778-5878 or 502-507-2951. OKH Post 121 will have a blood drive noon through 5 p.m. Monday, July 10th at the American Legion Hall Community Room 206 West Broadway in Bardstown. To schedule an opponent Appointment, visit redcrossblood.org and enter sponsor code A-M-E-R-L-E-G-I-O-N-K-Y or call 800-RED-CROSS. 
This is all the time we have for the reading of recent editions of the Kentucky Standard. If you have enjoyed reading, hearing this, please call us at 859-422-6390 and let us know. On behalf of everyone here at Radio Eye, this is Brian Hunt. Thank you for joining me, and now please stay tuned for continued programming here on Radio Eye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.